Welcome to the Level Up Bariatrics Podcast. If you want to feel motivated, prepared, and excited for your weight loss surgery journey, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Whitney Gibson, a bariatric dietitian who has helped hundreds of people succeed with weight loss surgery. Are you ready to do the same? Let's go. Hey everyone, today we have a great patient testimonial episode that is sure to warm your heart and inspire you. We are talking to Leanne. Leanne has been with me for quite some time now. We first met when she was starting her bariatric program with her surgeon and I was her dietitian. So I coached her through the whole process, how to prepare and essentially how to succeed. She was quite impressive to me because she was hyper-organized tracked everything, and I'm pretty sure she had spreadsheets for things. She had been a quote-unquote rule follower since day one, which has always been impressive to me when patients do this, but she's been able to take these habits and apply them to the bariatric lifestyle, which has really proven to serve her well. So let's go ahead and bring her on and see what Leanne has to share. Okay, today we have Leanne. Hey, Leanne, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm just dandy. Thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. You are one of the first few that's starting the interview series with uh, my patients, so I'm really glad to have you. And um, as I will talk about in the introduction, uh, you're really one of my favorites because I've seen you really persevere through this whole program and you've done absolutely everything to respect the process and you've been very detailed oriented. You've You've been very intentional about the whole process and just the way you've done things, you've taken every resource that was provided and you've run with it basically. So there's, I feel like you've missed no points whatsoever throughout learning how to succeed with bariatric surgery. And you've just like really excelled with everything. So I really admire you. And I think you'll be a great motivation, inspiration to thousands of other people that are listening to this. So I really appreciate you being on here today. So let's go ahead and get started. So one major question I like to ask my patients, because this is like a huge curiosity question and everybody's answer is somewhat the same, but, you know, individually different, obviously. So one of the major questions is why, why did you decide to have bariatric surgery? It is a great question. And it is always the hardest question for me. Um, so <laughs> I actually took notes on this when when I had to think through it, I was like, okay, what why is this question so hard for me? Um, and I just, I think that I spent years yo-yoing, yo-yo dieting, and I would do all the things that everybody tells you to do. I was working out, I was eating properly. And then I would like go to the doctor because my knee was bothering me. And he would tell me I should try to lose weight. And I just want to be like, come work out with me. Hey, you want to come to my house for dinner? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, or, um, that was one of the big pushers because I had, I went and got a second opinion and it turned out I had a torn meniscus and that's why my knee was hurting. Did my weight contribute? Possibly. But the fact that it wasn't focused on my knee bothers me when I work out or literally my exact words where my knee's bothering me when I try to run or when I do this specific exercise. And he said, well, you should probably try to lose weight. And I just want to be like, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> um, but I mean, there were also little things like, 
you always hear the story about, I had to ask for a seatbelt extender on the airplane, right? I had not had to do that for years. And my husband and I took a COVID vacation in 2020. This was mm-hmm. literally like two months before I reached out to a surgeon. And we got upgraded to first class. And it was the Delta One fancy lay down Wait. seats from Atlanta to Salt Lake City. And it was first class. And I had to ask for a seatbelt extender. Okay. And I thought of all the places, like this is where you have the most room. Everything should be good. And I just, it was a a lot of little things and just really feeling like I was doing all the things I was supposed to do. I was counting my macros. I was a macro macro tracker forever. And Mm -hmm. I know know, like that's a thing now with surgery, but I had always, I'd been tracking macros. When I tell you I worked out, I would, there's seven days in a week and I was working out six of them, but I was doing like nine to 10 workouts in those six days that I was working out. And I just got to the point where I was like, I understand calorie deficit and I understand burning calories and working out. But for me, that alone did not work. And I had to finally get to a point where I'd all, I had been living for years of my friends were having weight loss surgery and having great success, but it wasn't for me because I can do this on my own because I don't ask for help. And I had to get to a point where asking for help was okay mentally for me because doing all the right things wasn't working for me the way that it could for someone else. Yeah. Just because there were other things going on, you know, there's hormones, there's genetics. It's more than just calories in calories out. There's other things that play into it. And I needed additional help. Yeah, you are 100% correct. Absolutely. And I kind of skipped over this uh, as a part of your introduction, but tell us um, how many years post-op are you or how many months? I am 20, about 20 months post-op. I had surgery in April of 2021. Okay. And what, what was your highest weight? I know a lot of people like to know this because they, they sometimes they'll think, oh, well, I'm not heavy enough or I'm way too heavy. I mean, whatever the, whatever their opinion may be, uh, this kind of helps sway, sway people's decision as to whether they qualify or whether they want to pursue, pursue thinking about bariatric surgery. So your highest weight was what? I can do this. <laughs> um, my highest weight, which I have never really shared with anyone outside of doctors, was um, 316 pounds. And okay. that possibly could have been higher, but I never, I've never got on a scale. That's the highest weight I ever remember seeing on a scale. Was there a time where you just stopped getting on the scale because you just didn't want to see the number? I probably did not weigh myself other than doctor's appointments from the time I was like 21 until I was about... 38. Wow. Okay. I just, I, I, and now I don't weigh myself that often either because um, I'm not defined by that number. Oh, I love that you just said that. <laughs> That's like a whole nother podcast. I'm going to get into <laughs> we could do a whole <laughs> hour and a half on that. Uh, we really could. So, also, let's share how much weight have you lost since surgery? Since surgery, I've lost about 65 pounds. Awesome. And since my first initial visit with my surgeon, I have lost about 85 pounds. 
Awesome. So if, if people don't know this ahead of time, there's a lot of programs out there that require you to lose weight prior to surgery. This is really dependent on what type of insurance you have or what type of program you have, but most will uh, have you lose weight prior to surgery. So that kind of kickstarts the whole weight loss um, in the program. But um, I like to see, you know, what's, what's the difference in what you started at and, or prior to surgery and, what have you lost since surgery? And let me just go ahead and put it out there too. The amount of weight that you lose post-surgery is highly, highly dependent on the individual. There's way too many people out there, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, and you probably do the same thing, uh, no doubt, but is comparing weight loss after surgery, the amount of weight loss after surgery. I mean, there's people who start from a super high BMI with tons of excess weight, and then there's people who start from a lower BMI, and they don't have that much excess weight to lose. I mean, yes, they have excess weight to lose, but not as much as that higher BMI person. So I want to put that out there for anybody listening is do not compare yourself to other people in terms of how much you have lost after surgery. It's very dependent on you your age, your body type, what you're doing outside of, or what you're doing for exercise on a consistent basis. Um, so the rate of weight loss is very much individualized and can vary from person to person. I love that you brought that up because I did make some notes before we started this. And yeah. one of my notes says, as cliche as it sounds, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh my God. I love that. I, I can that on my see website. people that <laughs> I, there is a lady I'm friends with that had surgery literally the exact same day as I did mm-hmm. and has lost a significant amount more weight mm-hmm. than I have lost. And in the beginning, I would be like, oh, well, we're a month out and she's lost 20 pounds and I've lost 12. Yeah. She also had more weight to lose in the beginning. She Now she's less than me, but in the beginning, yeah. she had more weight to lose. Yeah. And so I really had to work through that. You try really hard not to compare yourself and it's hard to do, but you can't focus on that. You have to focus on what are you accomplishing within yourself? Right. Exactly. Well said, Leanne. Okay. What about your past weight struggles? So when did your weight issues actually begin? Like, you know, early on in life? Puberty. Puberty. Okay. I, I tell a story. There's a picture of me in my fourth grade yearbook and I know it's me. It's from the back, but I know it's me because it's me. And then my hair was in a ponytail. I had hair like down to my waist and I had bird legs. Like <laughs> I was skin and bones. And then in fifth grade, I hit puberty and just like to keep things real. I went to bed one night in a training bra and woke up a C cup. Like <laughs> I my mom was just like, my brother had moved away and he came back to visit and he was like, wow. Like he's made a comment to my mom about how much weight I had gained. And I always say nothing changed. Like my eating habits didn't change. I was a fifth grader. I still ate the same things. But when I started going through puberty, I just expanded and I didn't, I mean, what in fifth grade do you know to do, right? You're not right. And I had always like, my mom was overweight my entire life. My, you know, people ask me, is anybody else in your family overweight? And I was like, a better question is anybody in my family not overweight? Like, that's mm-hmm. just my family. Um, my brother had weight loss surgery in the early 2000s. It's not, I mean, you know, so when I had say I had been exposed to it with friends, it's friends and family. But yeah, I, I was probably a size 14, 16 in ninth grade. Yeah. And I like how you're saying this because you're kind of challenging a stigma now. And the stigma with obesity in general is 
you eat too much, you're lazy, you don't do anything to lose weight. But what people don't understand, and if they were to really step back and, and do their research, or actually talk to their patients, you know, like I do on a day to day basis, problems can start anywhere. And very much genetics have a huge role in why some people are obese, I mean, even from adolescence. So I mean, there's no one reason anyone is obese at any point in their life. You know, there's, there's, so many multiple things or so many factors that really contribute to obesity in general. And, um, a lot, a lot of my patients really struggle with it from the beginning of puberty. So I like that. Okay. What were you not able to do prior to surgery that you felt like you really wanted to achieve or to do better at, or, you know, what did you see in the future with having weight loss surgery, how it would help you? Apparently buckling my seatbelt. <laughs> That's a big one though. A lot of people I, um, You know, I, I really feel like, again, I was trying to do all the things. I, prior to surgery, I had run three half marathons. Now I run walk. I'm not going to run 13 miles straight. It's not whatever, especially not in my larger body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't something I wanted to do, but in 2013, I started doing 5Ks and that just kind of led to more and more things. And I would notice like I would go out with my friends and we would be doing this training run, right? So we'd go for five miles and then they would go hang out at Disney World for the rest of the day. And I would go home and lay on the couch because my body hurt so much, yeah. right? And I was like, but their recovery is so much faster than mine. And so I think it was little things like that, not necessarily what I couldn't do, I just had a harder time doing them. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, you have to sit in a, if you go to an amusement park, you have to sit in a seat to see if you're going to fit in it before you go get on a ride. Mm -hmm. And that's a little intimidating. I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's intimidating when you're existing in a larger body because there are people standing around and you're trying to see if you're going to be able to wait in this line and get on this, um, this thing. If I, think back to like when my kids were younger, I definitely think that because they were older by the time I started even just trying to get healthier, um, I probably would have done a lot more with my kids. I would have, you know, gone rollerblading with them. I would have been outside playing and running and doing more with them. Um, So that's time that I can't get back, right? But I can do whatever I can do right now to make sure that I'm here for their kids. Right. And that I'm here for them. Ooh, hmm. I need a second. <laughs> You're good. That I have more time on this earth with my kids and with my grandkids and that I'm setting a good example for them, you know, by trying to live this healthier lifestyle. And again, not that I don't feel like I wasn't, that I was being super unhealthy, but I know that I had moments that I would like spiral especially when I would feel like I was doing all the right things and all the right things weren't working. So then you would get, I would get in this pattern of this is great. This is working. Oh, well, somebody told me I should try to lose weight. Well, let me go eat a cookie because it's not working anyway. I might as well do whatever (laughs) I want. Right. Like that's, that's your cycle Yeah. or that was my cycle. So anyway, that part, probably wishing that I would have started something earlier and again, not that I didn't try, but I wasn't as serious about it. Yeah. Um, when my kids were younger. 
You brought up a good point there too. And I, I hear this from a lot of my patients who are well past their, uh, well past their surgery date. And one thing that they will say, especially if uh, someone's old, uh, older than let's say 50, you know, that's probably average. I'm just spitting that out there, but they always say, I wish I would have done it sooner. And just like you said, those, those are years that you could, you know, you wish you could have back or you wish you could have been more active. So um, if you're listening to this and you're in this analysis paralysis of whether you should go through the whole process or not. Yeah. I mean, take life by the, by the horns and run with it because you, you too could be losing out on some really precious time with your family members, you know, you're just spending time with people and enjoying life itself. So love that you said that. All right. So what, one thing um, I know is super tough is learning new habits, learning new eating behaviors, learning how to consistently exercise. Uh, um, and that's just a very, very short list of things. So whenever, you know, when you were preparing for surgery and then kind of transitioning to the post-op uh, time frame, what was the hardest thing for you to have to unlearn and maybe relearn in terms of habits to change for you? So, and then how did you manage that? So what, what changes were hard and how did you manage that? Um, what was hard? <laughs> I think that when you're going into it and when you're preparing for it, I actually saw a video. It's funny. It came up on my memories in something, and it was a video that I had made. And I had said, I'm about to go eat dinner. And this is the last meal, normal meal that I will ever have. Because again, you're getting ready to go into this. And it was the night before I was starting like my three-day liquid diet, liquid diet before <clears throat> the surgery. Yeah. And in this video, I was so emotional thinking, this is the last normal meal I'm going to have. I yeah. will never have a normal meal again. I just want to caveat and say that is not true. <laughs> but in that moment, that was the last normal meal I was ever going to have. My favorite story actually involves you. Yay. <laughs> one of my favorite stories on this journey. Um, and it was the very first appointment I had with you. And I had been very diligent leading up to this appointment. Cause again, I'd always like tracked my food and been counting my macros and stuff. And I walk in and we're sitting there talking and I have been very diligent about like tracking my food for the two weeks before the appointment with you. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, like I had, which no one ever does by the way, <laughs> I had two M&Ms like that was in my food tracker. Leanne ate two M&Ms. Yeah. But you were like, I had smoothie on my, on my thing. And you said, what's in a smoothie. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, it's usually a cup of fruit, a cup of spinach, my protein. Like I told you how I make a smoothie and you pull out this little piece of paper from this folder you're going to give to me after my appointment that says how to build a smoothie. And it was almost identical to what I had just walked through with you. Mm -hmm. And even at that appointment, you told me I wouldn't really change what you eat. We just need to lower the calories because at the time I was on calories that had been given to me by a personal trainer. When again, I was working out a hundred times a week, yeah. I ten, but whatever. Um, and I think just the liquid preparing for the liquid phase. Um, I, as you said, like I was really diligent about going through the the manual that was given to me. I tried things prior to surgery, even though they say your tastes change, and that mm -hmm. is not a lie. I tried to do things prior to. Like I would have one meal a day that would be similar to what I was going to have to do post-surgery. 
Yeah. I was making jello with protein in it. I was making chocolate pudding with protein in it. Yeah, you were, you were super experimental. I loved it. I made these little cups and I would just, I would add protein powder. Um, I have been very fortunate post-surgery that no foods have really bothered me. Like right. I have not had, but again, I very much stuck to, I even think I might have been one of the people that I did not count surgery as day one on the post-surgery diet. Mm-hmm. I counted the day I came home from the hospital as my first day. So when you can start like full liquids on whatever day it is, I don't even remember now, day four. <laughs> Curades were on like day 14. I was a day behind because I forced myself to do that. Okay. Um, now I struggle with sweets, <laughs> which I had never done before. Yeah. So which that's is kind of the opposite of most people's experiences. Actually. I know. And I hear that constantly that that's the opposite, but I've learned to do things like I make these nut butter protein bars with nut butter, oats, protein powder, a little bit of honey and some like Lily's chocolate chips. And it makes whatever it is, it's not terrible for you, but if I just need a little something sweet, then, then it does that, you know, covers that craving. Um, but again, I had been trying very diligently, probably for about seven years leading up to having the surgery to make sure that I was already eating the correct foods. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know that it was as much of a shift for me. Yeah. I did have to trick the entire household with caffeine coffee. (laughs) And I remember, (laughs) so I started buying half decaf, half regular coffee. Like it's called half calf. You can just buy half calf. Mm-hmm. And I would mix it with regular coffee. And I did that for a month. And then the next month we just did half calf. And then the next month I bought decaf and regular. And I was doing like two thirds decaf, one third regular. And I basically weaned the entire family off of caffeine. And <laughs> I never told them I was doing that. Were they sleepier? <laughs> I don't know. You know, we're, we're back on caffeine now. Yeah. Um, I also thought that post-surgery, the whole drinking out of a straw, I am a straw girl. Yeah. That's just who I am. And probably I really struggled the first little bit sipping just because you have, you're constantly sipping on water and I was not getting enough Mm -hmm. fluids. And then once I was able to start using straws again, I went from literally drinking a gallon a day minimum. Mm -hmm. I had my 132 ounces a day to barely getting in 40. Yeah. Um, but once I was able to bring my straw back, we're almost back up to a gallon a day. Yeah. Let's do a public service announcement while we're talking about straws, straws, and I'm doing a myth busting podcast too, at some point, but straws are, are one of those things that if you, if you're drinking out of a straw and you are known to suck in air, when you are drinking out of a straw, then it's probably not a good idea, especially immediate post-op days. But eventually when you know, you can handle drinking out of a straw without getting gas or, or creating gas pockets in you, then drink out of a darn straw. I mean, there is nothing, no scientific evidence saying that you're going to do anything bad to you if you drink out of a straw. And in fact, my patient's intake or uh, consumption of clear fluids after surgery is quite greater after surgery if they if they are able to drink out of a straw. So there, that there's was that. one of the the other hard things. Sorry, the um, no, you're good. Thirty minutes after you eat, not having anything to drink. I had to practice that too because I'm very much a sit down, 
start drinking, eat the entire, eat and drink at the same time, then drinks more. Yeah, that's and a huge that one. That was hard. Yeah, that was that's, really hard for that's me. very hard for most people, for sure. Okay, so basically the hardest things were, well, I wouldn't say the hardest things, but the things that you really focused on prior to surgery was just kind of transitioning from your already somewhat healthy or healthy lifestyle and just kind of putting yourself in your post-surgery shoes and, you know, practicing more protein-rich products or how to make more uh, effective or not effective, but more nutritionally balanced smoothies or things like that. Okay. And that's huge. I mean, I can't say enough about prep prior to surgery and creating these new habits and practicing all these habits necessary after surgery. Cause those are the hardest habits to break. I mean, it's a lifetime of habits. It's a lifetime of drinking fluids with your meals and you got to break that. So those are difficult. Um, next question, how has this whole process or this journey changed your relationship with your spouse, your friends, your family, give us both positive and negatives if those exist. So we also approached that head on. I did all of the research on the bariatric community as a whole does not have a good track record of relationships, especially with your spouse or significant other post-bariatric surgery. Mm -hmm. It's just not, the numbers are pretty high. So my husband and I really just sat down and had a conversation basically where I told him, this is what I've decided to do. These are statistics. And if we, either one of us were ever feeling like, I don't know, like I told you, you know, if you're ever feeling any kind of way, we just really need to sit down and talk about it because this is something that I need to do for myself. Yeah. Um, and I really definitely believe that because we took that approach in the beginning and we didn't wait until I started losing weight and I mean, we've been married for 20 years at this point, <laughs> you know, it's like, but he, I did, I was very, he had not done any research on it, right? This was all, this is my journey. And so um, I haven't noticed a huge difference per se in our relationship. Um, my kids are just proud of me, like, you know, cause they had always seen me doing the work. Um, both of my boys are married. My daughter-in-laws are both very supportive, also proud of me. Um, I think for them, it was almost a relief of finally seeing me be able to step into more of my confidence. Yeah. So the relationship with myself yeah. has probably been the biggest change. Okay. Um, you just, this is so mental. <laughs> like your food has to be correct and you're doing all these things and you've got to get your workouts in. And having bariatric surgery does not change who you are mentally, right? You still have those moments of, I remember I was, an, an, I am, not was, I am an emotional <laughs> eater. Like if I have a bad day, I would just go stand. I was standing in front of the pantry one time eating a chocolate chip cookie or an Oreo. I didn't even want the chocolate chip cookie or an Oreo, but I was upset about something. Um, I don't do that as much anymore because I think when you're walking through the process, you're not just, you're focusing on the surgery and on the, on the food, but you also have to focus on your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So that's been huge for me. And then just as my confidence has gotten better, I think it's actually strengthened my relationship with my husband Okay, because I'm not as insecure as I used to be. Yeah. And I think you've probably gone through this whole process in a very responsible fashion. I mean, I, I 
I hate to, I hate to say this, but I have spouses who have literally hid the surgery from their spouse before, because they're not strong enough in their relationship and their communication skills to really get through it with their spouse. And that's terrible. I feel, I really feel for them because that's the support that they have on a day to day. And if they don't have that support where, who knows where they're going to be, if they don't reach out for additional support, either through bariatric community programs like mine, things like that. I mean, it's kind of hard. It's disheartening to think that people don't have that support. So I'm really glad to hear that everything is pretty much on the positive end. Cause I've seen, you know, friendships break up after, you know, people lose weight and they are very focused on their lifestyle, their nutrition and exercise. And they're like, Oh, well, that's not who I was friends with to begin with. So I don't really resonate with that anymore. And I don't know. It's, it's just, it's tough to watch that. I, <laughs> all of my friends, maybe this was what drove me. I don't know, but all of my friends were I met most of my friends through a running group for women. Yeah. So I already had this like support system for the running and now they're just like, Oh, that's great. You're so amazing. Go. I mean, and not to add any like stressors to having the surgery. Right. But my husband and I also relocated across the country. Right. You're like six months after I had surgery and I had to find a whole new like friend group and all of these things. And I mean, I'll be honest, I, I will say the first Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving's coming up. I actually talked about this the other day. It was the first Thanksgiving I'd ever been away from my kids. We were out here, just me and my husband really didn't know a whole lot of people. And I really did have like a dark few months of, I didn't, I was not doing all the things I should be doing. Again, you are not going to be perfect when you're on a weight loss journey. You're never, not. never. Um, you're going to have moments. You're going to have. And so I did recognize, like I was a couple of months, I say a dark place and I'm not, I'm not saying I was depressed, but I'm not saying I wasn't depressed <laughs> um, yeah. that I really had to work through. And I actually had all like ever since surgery, it had been down, 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 down. And when I went in for one of my checkups, I was actually up like three pounds. And I, I looked at the physician's assistant and I was like, what I really need is a, a referral to, to a counselor that specializes in, because this is what's going on. That's great. Um, and once I talked through it, it was like, oh yeah, this is what's going on. You know, you're okay. You're okay. And so even out here, before we moved where I'm at, I live in Colorado now. So before we moved to Colorado, the running group that I was in in Florida is actually a national running group. Yeah. I joined one out here and said, Hey, I'm going to be moving out there. So I'm, I left my big support group there, but now I've found another one out here. That's still the same like-minded. Awesome. I have people that I do training runs with. It's getting yourself plugged in is so important. Yeah. And there's also a lot to say about you, you already knew what to do. I mean, your efforts prior to surgery and immediately after surgery really paid off because even though you changed circumstances and environments, you already knew what you, you knew what you had to get back to basically. So for a lot of people, maybe they haven't done that pre-work. And as soon as they, as soon as they move or they change their environments, they just get lost. They're like, Oh, where, where the crap do I pick up now? Like they're just utterly lost. So there's not enough to say about really kind of doing your pre-work and constantly being in that mindset of, okay, what do I need to do to get back on track when something comes up? So that's great. What advice would you give to others as to how to prepare for surgery or what to be ready for? And this is a very generalized question. So however you want to spin it. 
Listen to your doctor, listen to your dietitian. Don't join Facebook groups unless they are sponsored by your dietitian. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, people are going to tell you horror stories. Their cousins, aunts, brothers, sisters, uncle had surgery and has gained all of his weight back. Mm-hmm. This is your journey and you've got to do the best that you can do. Follow the plan. I'm not going to say it's easy. Like I, I thought I would not have a whole lot of pain. I was quickly reminded I'm not 25 anymore. You know what I mean? Like there were, there were things and, and definitely, you know, a support group is super important. Having a good dietitian that you can email at random, just labels, She's she's talking about me, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably for this first six months, you got emails from me constantly that said, it's it's okay. These vitamins, take your vitamins. (laughs) Find a vitamin that works for you because the first set of vitamins I started taking, I would put the vitamin in my mouth and have to take a pill for nausea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To keep the vitamin down. So then I changed it and I have to take more now, like different because you need a complete bariatric vitamin. But, you know, I had, I had like, there were just certain things. Um, Exercise is super important. And I don't, it can be a 30 minute walk every day. Like you, okay, me, I, I run, run, walk, I run intervals. Um, but you started, I started out walking and then gradually just got whatever. Again, yeah. I've done three half marathons before surgery. I've done three half marathons this year. Yeah. And I have another one in two weeks, but don't tell anybody that. Cause I haven't, <laughs> I haven't told my friends that yet. Um, but no, I, I just think that it's very important to follow the plan, follow the instructions, even when you don't want to learn to read the labels there are, there's usually at your your doctor's office is usually going to give you some type of something that says you know I think added sugar shouldn't be more than five percent mm-hmm. and also know that if you decide to have a chocolate chip cookie it's okay occasionally just don't live right there. right like you still have to live your life and and honestly a year and a half out we go out to dinner some places will let you order off the kids menu. Sometimes I eat the rest of it for lunch the next day. Right. Um, but you, you still have to live your life. You just eat a little bit less. Right. I have learned that you can put protein in just about anything. (laughs) You've done the experimentation for sure. (laughs) I have done protein in grits because I don't like oatmeal. I've done protein in cream soups. I added protein to pumpkin spice cupcakes. (laughs) You're putting a purpose to everything. That's good. It it really is. Like you, you just make it work. Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough about seriously what everything that you've done to prepare yourself. And I, I truly think you're an advocate and you can be such an inspiration and guide to other people. So I hopefully look forward to working with you in the future in some capacity and helping other people. But this podcast itself is going to be um, a great start for sure. I really enjoy your story and I know others are going to as well. Is there anything else you want to add? Hey, here's a big question. If you had to do it all over again, would you? I would have done it eight years earlier. would do it all over again. Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love you. 
Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and seeing you again. We'll have to meet Thanks up sometime. And, me. We'll have to meet up sometime and go on a hike or something. I know. I saw some pictures of your hikes and I thought, I really think I need a vacation. <laughs> That's <laughs> no. the girl who looks out Pikes Peak from, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We love our hikes. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and let you go, but thank you so much for being on the show today and hope to hear more from you soon. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Level Up Bariatrics podcast. If you feel you have a great story you'd like to share about your weight loss surgery experience, reach out and let me know. You too can help inspire others to take charge and live a happier, healthier life you all deserve. Until next time.